last little while, we've been putting all of our focus and all of our attention on the Word of God and committing it to memory, and hopefully you're working on that. I hope that you are. I know it can be a challenge, but you'd be surprised how much of the Word of God you could know. Just think of it in this, um, in this context. Think of how many songs you know. What, uh, uh, I have songs that like pop into my head all the time, and I, yeah, I'm a music person, but I have l- lyrics to literally thousands of songs in my head. That can just come up, song comes up, I know every word of it, right? So do you, probably, right? Tons of songs. So it's not an inability to be able to do it. It's, a, it's putting a priority on something or something that it, it has to become meaningful uh, on a certain level, and the more meaningful it is. And I want to show you a bunch of things as we start today. I got a lot of things, I have a lot of things kind of that are part, but everything is oriented around the, the importance of the Word of God, and the importance of, to, of the Word of God to our own spiritual development, the, the importance of our knowing it and assimilating it and really having a mastery of the Bible. So few people know anything about the Bible in our culture these days. Little or nothing, and even in some cases what they think they know, they don't. So um, we're going to stay with that theme here today, and I want to take us back to our memory verse, which is found in uh, Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5. Want to stand with me and we will we'll take a couple of shots at it and see how well we do here this morning. Okay, then next week we'll have each and every one of you come up independently and by yourself. No, huh? It's not going to work? Okay, here's what I would like to do though, okay? Here's, this would be a really cool idea. On Easter Sunday, as you may know, Marquis Laughlin is coming back to Freedom Church. Now, Marquis Laughlin is the guy that walks in and just quotes whole books at a time and does it with great drama and flair and, and style, right? He's a former uh, professional actor, and so he comes in and he just does a book um, or a section of a book or a section of the Bible and just gets up. If you remember last, uh, last Easter, we, he was here uh, with us, and it was fantastic? I think so, right? And so he'll be back. Now, how cool would it be if we as a congregation can get up and quote the scripture to Marquis Laughlin? Just to let him know that like we get it, right? Good idea. Is that a good target? Right? So we're working on these verses of scripture. And so when Easter Sunday comes, which I think is like the first Sunday, is it? First Sunday in April? Second? Okay. So it's early on in April, so we've got, you know, we've got uh, March yet to work on this thing, although we'll want to have another one up for March. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's make that a target, shall we? So that we can get up and, and that we can show Marquis Laughlin that we appreciate the significance and the importance of committing the Word of God to memory, right? Great idea, Pastor Steve. <laughs> Rock that one, baby. All right, so here we go with our memory verse, Romans 5, chapter, or Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, 
but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Shall we do it one more time? Yeah, for sure. Okay, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Good. Good job. All right, Father God, we uh, we present ourselves before you here this morning. We thank you for the time to get into your word. I thank you for the receptive hearts and minds here in our church family of uh, those who are just receiving this and embracing this challenge to commit your word to memory uh, because it, it always pays dividends, much, much, much bigger dividends than anyone would ever imagine when we commit your word to our thoughts because our thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways our ways. You get your, your stuff is better than ours, a lot better than ours. So thank you, Lord, for this time to, um, to be in your word and to, uh, to be together here. Thank you for this great place that you've given to us. It's nice and warm and comfortable, and we just thank you for the resources that pay the bills all the time. We thank you for faithful gifts and faithful givers, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done to, uh, to make this happen here. May all the honor, all the glory, all the thanksgiving, and all the praise, may it completely go to you where it rightfully belongs. For you, ha- it's all about you, and you have every, anything that's good that's going on around here, oh Lord, is because you're making that happen and you're sustaining it. So we thank you, we love you, we praise you, We give you glory here this morning, O God, and we pray for your blessing as we take time in your word that you will take it and and sow it into the deepest part of our life, into our spirit, where it really will be um, alive and powerful and able to affect radically good change in our life. So bless our time together this morning, Lord God. Be glorified, we pray, in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everybody said? Amen. All right, you may be seated. Okay, <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> want to get back into um, this study and present another aspect today of what the Word of God is given for, why God has given His Word. I, I jotted down a bunch of things um, as kind of little, little stepping stones along the way before we actually arrive at the thing that um, I want to present here this morning. But the first thing we want to take a look at is... The word of God is, now this is, what, this is what God says, this is what the Bible says about itself. This is what scripture um, speaks about, it's own, this is how it self-defines and this is what it, what, it, what, it, what it can accomplish and what it does. So I just have a whole bunch of these things here which we'll kind of go over quickly and, um, 
and we'll learn what the Word of God is. Here in Psalm, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, the Word of God is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The Word of God is a lamp for my feet. Why would I need that? Because it's a dark world, because it's a lost world, because it's a confusing world. And so we need, it's like a flashlight, right? It's like the, the need for a flashlight on a dark night. That's about what the Word of God is. And uh, in the Psalms, the psalmist wrote, the Word of God is a lamp for my feet, and it's a light for my path. Scripture says, actually Peter says in 1 Peter, that uh, the Word of God is like mother's milk. Okay, what is that supposed to mean? That is, it, it contains all the nourishment that you need as a believer, as a child of God, it contains all the nourishment that you need to make you strong. So he writes and he says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So when we're kind of encouraging you to commit God's word to memory and you're taking it in and you're like stoking it up there, this, this provides you with um, refreshment and nourishment and everything that you need to become a a strong believer it makes you, it gives you the power to become mighty in spirit. Think about that term for just a second. Because we're going we're to take a look or we're going to think this morning a little bit about that passage of scripture uh, in, Romans, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 where he says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, it, it is capable of piercing down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There's a lot there, right? It, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces down to the dividing between soul and spirit. We want to get into that just a little bit here this morning because those are different things. Your soul and your spirit are different things. You have, you're actually a three-part being. I want to get off on this right now, but you're a three-part being. You are a body, you are a soul, and if you're born again, then you are a living spirit. If you are not born again, your spirit is dead and not functional. It is not alive unto God. It has not been made alive. That's what being born again is all about. God takes that dead spirit which is alienated from him, and the spirit is dead because the spirit, like the body is meant to be the sensory receptor for all of the stuff that we can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. In this world, the body does all that processing for us because that's what it's here for, right? The spirit is meant to do all the processing for the presence of God and for the word of God. It, it, it is the one area which is capable of receiving and understanding and filtering and comprehending and putting into action the word of God. If, you, if we try that with, as a mental thing, it won't work because your mind will argue it. Your, your mind will defend who you are and what you do and things like that. We, we have all these built-in justification mechanisms in, by which to exonerate ourselves and let ourselves off the hook. The word of God will penetrate down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The heart is the issue. The heart is what God is interested in. Okay, the mind, well, 
That can go all over the place. The mind can be waylaid or the mind can be brain, the mind can be brainwashed, right? We can be, we can be deceived by all kinds of things. But the word of God is there to, um, to get down to all, like push all that aside and get down to the heart and to the real truth about life. That's what it does. So the word of God is like butter's milk. And I better move along here because I got a bunch of them. The word of God is like incorruptible seed. Okay, Jesus defines the word as seed. When he's speaking in the the parable of the, the sower, he says the sower went out to sow some seed. Now, of course, he's speaking of himself, and he's talking about his going forth and proclaiming or preaching the gospel to people. And as he's going out there and as he's preaching things, he notices that some of it is like landing in a good place and it is bearing fruit. And a lot of it is just kind of not coming up at all. Some of it is falling by the wayside. Some of it is getting choked out. You know the whole story there in Matthew chapter 13. So Jesus says the word, his word is like seed. Now, how that seed works in you or in me, that remains to be seen. It depends, it it has everything to do with whether or not I am fertile ground in which that seed can grow. Or if I am resistant, if I, you know what I mean? All of that will just, or if I'm preoccupied, like Jesus talks about with the cares of this world and the you know, all the riches and the things of this world and all that stuff is like what's most important. It says, he says it just chokes the word out. It chokes out the value of the word. So the word of God is like incorruptible seed. Here's what Peter writes. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And I just noted that little parenthetical thing that the word of God has the power to generate life. That's why we preach the word, because the word of God, it is, again, back to our verse, which we'll see in a few moments here, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter four, the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, all of that. So it, is, it has the ability to generate life. What else do we have here this morning? The word of God is inspired of God. Literally, the the, uh, Greek term that is used says God breathed, okay? It It has been spoken by God. Holy men of God received this word in their lives and then they jotted it down. They didn't always get it. They didn't always understand what it was that they were writing. They were, it wasn't as though, you know, they were in some kind of a trance, but God was in them and on them and, and he was allowing his word to be brought to them and then they were jotting it down. The word of God is inspired. N- notice what it'll do for you, okay? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. All right, doctrine is what? Is teaching, okay, in order for you to understand, in order for any of us to understand the Christian life, the message of Christ, first of all, we have to hear it, and then as we hear it, it's profitable for teaching, okay, or for reproof, okay, you're reproved when you are corrected over something, okay, Um, when you're straightened out, when you're wrong and you get straightened out, you've been reproved, right, so it's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction, and it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Okay, think of all those things. That's what it'll do. 
okay? It will teach you, it will reprove you, it will correct you, it will instruct you in righteousness, right? That the man, and will that's generic, that the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sound good? Right? So you'll be a better worker, you'll be a better father, you'll be a better mother, you'll be a better kid, you'll be a better neighbor. Okay, everything in your life will improve because of your knowledge of the Word of God. You'll be a better co-worker, you'll be, a, on every level, you will be a better person to have around because you know the Word of God, because the Word of God equips you for every good work. Okay? The Word of God is perfect, says the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect, Psalm 19, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clean. Is that right? No, it's pure, uh, enlightening the eyes. Okay, so here are, all, here are four things that, um, that we learn from here, this uh, Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is that whole, it's, it's kind of a cool psalm because in Psalm 19, that's that psalm where he's talking about the heavens declare the glory of God, earth shows forth its handiwork, day after day, they, you, these, these things are uttered, night after night, this knowledge is displayed, okay? And so he's looking out at all of the wonder of nature, the wonder of the cosmos, and he's beholding the order and the beauty and the glory. He talks about how the sun rises and goes down. And so he's noticing the beauty of the, of the natural universe and the world. But then he says, but there's something even better. There's something even more perfect, more excellent than this wonderful thing that God has built for us, this cosmos. And that's when he goes on to say, the law of the Lord is perfect. Right, with that whole path, converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Okay, but we're still not done. The word of God is a fire that consumes. It is a hammer that breaks into pieces, which kind of brings us a little closer to what I'm wanting to present today, because I want to talk today about the Word of God being a weapon of war, okay? That's, that's kind of the focus for what we want to think about today, the, because whether or not you and I have come to terms with it, we are in a war, okay? I mean, this whole life is filled with conflicts and problems and difficulties and difficult people and situations, right, every day. This, I, I think Bill Gothard's initial name for his uh, ministry of many, many of decades was uh, the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts, which he changed later on to Institute in Basic Life Principles. But so much of our life is a matter of conflicts, right? Conflicting with, I mean, you, you have conflicts in your marriage, you have conflicts in your neighborhood, you have conflicts with other people on your job. I mean, it's just, it's just part of, you have, are there ever any conflicts with customers up at um, Sheer Design? Yes, from time to time. Not my wife, I trust. Okay, good. But, okay, so here, here's a, here's a, a testimonial, <laughs> Right, that just just doing what you do every day. Okay, the word of God is a fire that consumes. The word of God is a hammer that breaks into pieces. Here's what Jeremiah learned. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? 
But we're not done. The word of God is life. Here's what Jesus says. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He goes on to say the flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak, those are spirit and they are life. Okay, so the word of God is life. Another one, the word of God is like rain. Okay, so again, all of these images, all of these kind of metaphors or similes um, that are presented in the word of God are there for the purpose of giving us like the, a, a wider understanding of why the Bible is of such value, right? It is like rain. Where, where would we find that? Well, we'd find that in Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain comes down um, and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, uh, except that they, may, they bring, I'm sorry, but water the earth and make it to bring forth uh, and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the thing whereunto I purposed it, and it will fulfill the thing unto which I sent it. Okay, so this whole passage here in uh, Isaiah chapter 55, um, where that, that's probably another one that we'll want to take a look at because in that passage um, it is the, the famous spot where God says, for your ways are not my ways, says the Lord, neither are your thoughts my thoughts. Because my, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways, okay? So he's encouraging them, like, get your mind straightened out and get your mind renewed. Think like me. That's what, that's what the purpose is of our uh, committing the word of God to memory. For as the rain comes down, he says a little after that thing about the, um, about uh, your ways are not my ways, um, um, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, all of that. And then he says, for as the rain comes down from heaven and does not return there, <clears throat> but it waters the earth, causing it to um, bring forth in bud, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that comes forth out of my mouth. It's will, it will not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the thing whereunto I have purposed it. Okay, and again, that's that word that God speaks and God wants to speak his word, but you know something, we can't necessarily, we're not really hearing God if, we don't, if we're not taking time to be in the word. If we're waiting for God to speak some other word to us, we're, um, we're in the wrong boat because this is what God uses to direct us. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, good. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's, yeah, so, that, so all of those things. So if you want to become a strong believer, <clears throat> There's nothing more important <clears throat> than, than to get your head, <clears throat> excuse me, and your heart filled with the word of God, and that will equip you, right, for every good thing. Okay, so today, here's our, here's our thought for today. The word of God, a divine weapon of war. A divine weapon of war. Why would you need that? Because you're in one. And you got a target on your back, and the devil knows it, okay? And the devil has two goals. One, to keep anybody from hearing the gospel so that they might repent and be saved, okay? Or if we, are, if we have heard the gospel and have received it, his whole goal is just to discourage you or to get you to think that it's uh, irrelevant or not important. Um, that would be his primary goal, or just to put you through some discouraging situations and then say, you know something, if you're any kind of believer, you wouldn't be going through this kind of stuff. 
I mean, you'd be joyful. You'd be victorious. You'd be shouting. You'd be, right? And here you are every day, and you're bummed, and you're discouraged, and you've got problems and things that are going on in your life and all this kind of stuff, and the devil just loves to come along and beat up on that. Or <clears throat> he, what he likes to do is to tempt, okay? He's the one that comes along, and he, like, sh- puts up the shiny object. That's what you really want. That's the thing. That's what you need. Right there. What? Not now, but this is what you, all right? And then you fall into the trap of temptation. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then lust, when it conceives, brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Right? James chapter 1. So the whole point is that he comes along and like holds up the shiny object, and you go like, oh, I got to have that. I got to have that. Okay, and I start, and he starts leading, you know, leading you around by the nose. He'll never deliver on it, but then in some way he'll tempt you to. You say, "I'll get it. I don't care how what I got to do to get it. I'm going to get it for myself." Then it becomes a sin, and then after you've sinned in getting the thing that he's been tempting you and telling you that you want, then he beats up on you with a guilt trip. It's a pretty good gig. He's got it down, really down. He's been working on human beings like you and me, even smarter, more spiritual human beings than you and me, and been very successful over the course of human history. So, the word of God, the divine weapon of war. <clears throat> Here's what Paul wrote, and this is the passage I want to get to at some point here today, <clears throat> but we'll see what happens. Let's see. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to know. This is, this is um, Paul is writing to the people in Corinth. And he's had to write some rough things to those people in Corinth. And the first letter that he wrote to them was pretty harsh. A lot of, a lot of real strong things to say because they're making a lot of mistakes. Okay? This is the second letter. And he says, <clears throat> I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who um, suspect us of, of walking according to the flesh. For though we, war, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay, then he goes on to make his point. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every high thing, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. In other words, he is saying that the, the word of God is useful to take captive every other, um, every, every false and every wrong and every deceptive thought that goes rolling through your head, you need, you and I need the Word of God to be able to check those things, because that's what the Word of God does. When it says that it, it is a <clears throat> discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, when it says that it goes down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, it enables us to kind of filter through and discern all of the tons of information that come our way on any given day, and, and determine which is really telling us truth, which is speaking truth into our life. <clears throat> so, I thought I had that one in my, no. Well, anyway, um, 
So he says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, I'll just say it the way I know it, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience to Christ. And, and when he's starting that, he's saying, look, I don't want to be, like, be a hard guy when I get there. Like he's written some letters and they're going like, man, this guy's pretty, this guy's pretty harsh, right? Because if, if you've read through 1 Corinthians, he has gone through a whole bunch of mistakes and he hasn't, he hasn't spared them, okay? They've been making one mistake, they're messing it up in communion, they're messing it up in spiritual gifts, they're messing it up in talking in tongues, they're messing it up in prophecy, they are messing it up because they got some guy in the church and he's living with his father's wife and nobody has challenged this yet. I mean, they have problems in this church in Corinth, <clears throat> And so he has written and written a, a number of difficult things. But it, now he's saying, listen, I don't want to come back and be, I have to be a hard guy. I want to come back and say nice things. I want to come back and in, encourage you, right? That's why he's saying at the beginning, I, I, I hope that you won't put me to this, that you'll try me out in this thing. Because although we um, live in the flesh, we don't war. We don't do business according to the flesh. And he says, for the weapons of our warfare, and again, that's bringing us into the idea today, what are the weapons of this warfare? Right? If, if he's identifying for the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are strongholds? Wrong patterns of thinking. Wrong patterns of thinking, okay? Of which you and I, by nature, have many because we have been educated. And a good deal of what was part of that education was simply a sowing into our life and our minds of something that's wrong. The whole world believes in evolution. God doesn't, okay? God, the whole idea is contrary to everything that God says in his word. Now, God is not against science, real, genuine science and truth. But anyway, in, <clears throat> we have, according to this passage, weapons of our warfare. And their job is to take prisoner all these wrong ways of thinking. That's what strongholds are. Every lofty thing um, take into every, every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, that's the purpose of the Bible. It is a weapon of warfare to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if you find that you have built-in arguments, built-in resistance, so when it comes to, well, it's probably not the best illustration that I could use, but it comes to going to church on Sunday morning since it's something that we uh, all have in common, right? And everything in you is going, I don't want to go to church. I went to church just last week. We went to church. How many times do I have to go to church? Right? And that's such a problem to go to church. The kids all got to get ready. Everybody got dressed. Oh, I don't want to go to church. Right? Something on the inside that is just griping and kvetching and just resisting. I don't want to read the Bible today. Right? These are all patterns of behavior and patterns of thought that, they, um, that have to be changed. So you would want to read a passage of Scripture that says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Right? 
That's the antidote. That's, that's, that's how it works. So in other words, you take that bad thought, that negative thought, that self-destructive thought, of which there are many, and more are coming all the time, because every time you get on TV or watch, get on the, uh, in, you know, in the media or on your computer or whatever, listening to your radio, it's just, unless you're very careful, <clears throat> with what it is that you allow yourself to listen to. Most of it is misinformation or disinformation, which is why it's so important, why what we're doing here is so important, um, because it is allowing us to stoke our thinking with what God thinks. How can you go wrong with that? Right? All these other thoughts, I mean, they, they could come from anywhere. They could come from people, philosophers, and inventors, and scientists, and what have you. Okay, worthwhile things, but... If you're thinking God's thoughts, man, you just took it up a major notch, right? Because, because God cannot lie. <clears throat> so, on we go. Am I going to get to God's word, a divine weapon of war? I'm going to try, baby. I'm going to give it my best. There's always next week. Anyway, <clears throat> oh, and a few, a few thoughts about the world. Uh, this is something that I reflected on all week long. Um, I think it was just the Lord kind of bringing it back to kind of correct me or to kind of adjust something. Because I feel like over the last little while, every time I've talked about the idea of the will of God, I'm always kind of framing it in terms, I think, just listening to my own thoughts, in terms of a work or a task or a job or a certain thing that you are to be doing. Okay, some assignment that God has. I, I think I'm, you know, that, that kind of is implied. I don't know that I'm saying it specifically that way, but I think it's implied in the way I'm presenting um, those thoughts. And that's really incorrect. In other words, the will of God is not necessarily a job, a task, an assignment, a role that you play, okay? The will of God is an attitude, that attends all of those things. And so what I, what I, in order to kind of balance that or, or I think add a, a more correct understanding of that, let's, let me put it this way. When you are being, if you're a husband, okay? If you're a husband and you're loving your wife, and you're helping your wife, and you're serving your wife, and you're protecting your wife, and you're leading your life, and you are, you are treating her like she's the all-important, valuable partner, uh, your all-important, valuable partner, you're doing the will of God. Okay? In other words, you may not be going door-to-door -door and handing out tracts, that can be the will of God too. But when you, when you are that man, you are doing the will of God. When you are training and raising up your children and taking time with them and speaking life into them and teaching them about the, the things of God, you're in the will of God. You're doing the will of God. So it has much more to do with a kind of general attitude of being trying to be a Christ-like person. That's the will of God. This is the will of God um, <clears throat> um, in Christ Jesus for you to give thanks in all, all things. So, uh, so, the, so the will of God is if, if you are a wife or you're a mother, okay, and you're attentive and you're loving your husband and you're loving your kids and you're 
doing your chores and all the stuff that you have to do with a joyful and happy heart and you are blessing other people and you are, you know, if, 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 and you have that kind of an attitude, you're doing the will of God, okay? Now, if we'll do the will of God in those places, because those are the places where you don't want to do the will of God. You just want to be the cranky old person that you are, and, right? And, so it, and because you can't fake anything, with those people nearby. You can't fake anything in your marriage, not for long, right? So your Christianity, your, your love for God, that would be the first place that it should show, and, and the first recipient would be your spouse. So, the, so your spouse would say, if, you know, let's say if, you, if you're uh, married to a person who is not saved, your spouse would say something like, well, I don't get it, I don't understand it, I don't know what they're into now, but, it sure is working because it's radically changed and good and positive and joyful attitude that I see all the time because the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and meekness. Like meekness is like power under control. It's being tamed. Oh, it's the opposite of being like an explosion. Okay, meekness is, is power uh, under restraint. <clears throat> meekness and faith and self-control. When those things are being manifested, your spouse is going to go, hey, maybe, I, maybe, I don't know, I, I'm not into it myself, but boy, I like, what it's, I like what it's doing in them. So I just wanted to kind of say that to add a little bit of texture or maybe a little bit of balance to the idea that it's not as though you are waiting for a job to do, and then when that job comes along, you go, oh, now I can do the will of God. It's we are doing the will of God in every setting, in every relationship, to everybody that we can. We are seeking to be a Christ-like person. Let me tell you that God can take that person and give them any task to do. Amen. But if, that, if I'm not that person, Whatever task I think I'm going to do for God, I will wreck. It will be a train wreck because the character of Christ is not in me. Because so, so it's much more about the person that we are becoming, the God-aware and Christ-like person that we are becoming and, and presenting to the, uh, to the people around us, that, particularly those that look to us and are depending upon us. That is the heart of the will of God. Okay, so... <clears throat> So get after it, right? Get after it because it can be accomplished right where you are. Okay, so we looked over the last few weeks at the Word of God. Yeah, I just showed you a bunch of them that we hadn't looked at because what, we're gonna, what we are all about here in this whole section is building your life on the foundation of the Word of God. That's where the strength, that's where the power is. So the word of God, we learned for, uh, as a starting point, renews our minds. Okay, here's the passage of scripture, but you know this one already. So, I mean, it, you learned this one last month already, so you got this one down. But let's say it together, shall we? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. I can't hear you, try that again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See how he's weaving that whole idea of what is the will of God, not as though it were some specific task. He's like, boy, I got all the right stuff for that job. I, you know, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm equipped of God to do that task, right? It isn't about that, right? He's saying like right in here that you present your body a living sacrifice, making it available under even difficult circumstances to be that which uh, serves the Lord and serves his purpose, right? And then with the, with, with the addition then of the scripture, to renew our minds, it allows us to test and to, uh, that we may be able to discern what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's like in the everyday stuff that we do. Okay, so that was, so the word of God is the agent which renews our minds. We learned secondarily that the word of God or prior, prioritizing God's word will bring success and prosperity. Again, we back to what we learned in the book of uh, Uh, Joshua the last couple of weeks, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written there in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. How many, how many would like to prosper? What's the matter with the rest of you? Everyone wants to prosper. Everybody wants success, right? Well, here's how you do it. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. And if you do that, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Here's what I would say. Want to prove me wrong? You could prove me wrong. You could say, Pastor Steve, you know what? I, for the last six weeks, I've been memorizing scripture and memorizing scripture and memorizing scripture and it hasn't done anything for me at all. Prove me wrong. You know what'll happen? When we have that kind of an attitude, say, God, I, I, I just want to hear what you got to say, and I want, I want to be reinforced in your truth and not the passing notions and fads and thoughts and what have you of the, of the world that we're going through, but I want to be grounded in what you have to say. Amazing things will begin to happen in your life, and later, and then six months, you'll go like, Pastor Steve, I can't believe it, man. I can't believe what's happening in my life. You know, my whole family got saved. Or, you know, or, or the neighbor of mine was asking me, like, just things will start to happen because God is pleased. And so a divine energy will attend you and spiritual things will happen. So the reason I'm saying is prove me wrong, right? Is that it, if you just, you're, all right, I am going to, I am going to do what he's saying and I'm going to show him it's a bunch of baloney. Go ahead. <laughs> Go for it. Because it isn't. Amen. The most important thing that we can do. Now, this passage here um, from Joshua, right? It could seem because we, uh, we believe in rightly dividing the word of truth, right? So that's important study or be diligent to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This, this, can I take this passage for myself? This is spoken to Joshua. Is this something that, that I can apply for me? Well, yeah, I think so. It's, it's a principle. But if, if I really wanted to just say, that nah, was for Joshua, and God was saying to Joshua, and Joshua's circumstances were, you know, his circumstances and very unique. Well, what if we would go to someplace like Psalm 1? 
That's not for Joshua. Sounds to me like that's for everybody. Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't know what passage. Yeah. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. What's the outcome? He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also does not wither and whatsoever he does. And in whatsoever he does, he prospers. I remember hearing that a guy preached that at a, a conference in Kentucky. When Lorraine and I were first saved, we went down to, um, we went out to Bible college. And then um, one of the weekends, I, they would send all the students out to preach and to sing and to do all stuff that we could do. And that was really how the, how the uh, school supported itself. So I had been sent down to, um, to Kentucky to this conference. And this guy got up and he was preaching Psalm 1. And I, I, it's funny, you know, when, when you're newly saved and newly in the Lord, you're very attentive to what you're hearing, you know? And I just remember this guy getting up and saying, I want to be the blessed man. There's lots of adjectives we could throw in there. The sharp-dressed man, the smart man, the talented man, the wealthy man, the rich man. Lots of things, adjectives we can put in front of man that would be things that would be relatively desirable. But how about, I want to be the blessed man. How about that, right? And I can, here's the thing, there's a lot of things I can't be. You know, I, there, there are so many things I can't be. I was looking at somebody who had done like some artwork last week, and I thought, that is so cool. That is such a gift to be able to like look at a piece of paper and take an image and draw it and make it like really, that is an amazing skill. I have none of that, okay? I, I will never be, let's say, like a highly organized person. <laughs> if in 70 years we haven't gotten there, no sense worrying about it anymore. There are other highly organized people around me that uh, kind of keep me hemmed in there a little bit. And so there are many things I can't be, but the one thing I can be, the one thing that everybody can be is the blessed man. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the seat of sin, nor stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water bringing forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also will not wither. You ever think about that one little term? In other words, no dried out times. Oh man, I'm feeling so like strange and alienated from God. No, it doesn't ever have to be like that because I'm planted by the rivers of water. What's to wither? Right? So if I'm planted by the rivers of water, I can see we're not going to get all the way to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But just the, the whole idea that all of this process, all that we're doing, putting, placing this kind of emphasis upon our getting our, uh, our, our spirit enriched by the word of God, all of this um, we're doing because I am so 
totally confident that it's going to produce excellent fruit in everyone's life. Okay, you, you will, this is one thing that you, if you attend to it and give yourself to it, you will find that you'll be blessed in everything that you do. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does will prosper. What else do we have here? This is all just the intro. And then we have, what do we have here? This is maybe as far as we'll get the word of God. Ah, we got there. A divine weapon. Okay, and here's that, here's that passage, we'll, probably, we'll have to let it go, by just kind of like uh, um, allowing our, our minds to be attentive to this for a couple of, couple of moments. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, of course, that was the M16 for the Roman army, right? It was the, the, the instrument of death, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, okay? So your soul and your spirit are not the same thing. Your soul is the I part of me. It's what I think, it's, it's the mind, the will, and the emotions, or the will. I, I, I thought once I, that I would create a new soul band. Will, intellect, and the emotions. Get it? Will, intellect, and the emotions. Soul band. Your soul is your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Your soul is what I think, what I want, um, what I feel. That's the soul part, okay? You were all that before Christ ever came into your life. So soulishly, you have been alive. That is that, you know, the body part is the five senses and the, the, all those gates by which we function in the natural world. But the soul part, that's the me part or the I part, what I think, what I want, what I feel. Okay, it's the mind, will, and the emotions. It's will, intellect, and the emotions. Should we do that? Somewhere along the line, right? But then the spirit, that is the organ of sensory perception for the things that come to you from God, okay? It's the spirit, that, which is why Jesus says, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh will just eat, drink, and do what it does, and someday it will die. Over. But the spirit is, when, when, when the spirit of God has been born into us, the spirit then gives life, and then the the, the big problem with the way that we live our lives is that usually, um, it kind of, well, I'll go way out on the limb for this. I only got like a few minutes, so if you really want to get mad at me, I can get out the back door. But mostly, when it comes to how we actually live our lives, it is more often than not, let's say for men, it is the body driving the whole picture. It is the appetites, the fleshly appetites. This is where so many men... I have so many problems. I'm one of them, so I, I know. I understand the, the way it works, right? So men in general have problems getting this fleshly thing under control, okay? Under the control of Christ Jesus, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Ladies have a little more problem. They don't, not so, they don't struggle that much with that particular area. They've got some problems kind of like getting their mind, their will, and their emotions all to come together and make a decision. Those things can just take them all over the boards. Well, here's what I think is this, but this is what I want, but this is how I feel. But this is what I think, 
that this is what I think, and this is, what, this is how I feel, but then this is what God says. Right? It becomes this bouncing off of this, you know, um, cubicle or something, you know? Because what I think, what I feel, what I want. Now, guys don't have that much of a problem with that. Okay? A guy will, it, it could be a challenge, it could be a difficult thing. Most men are not so subject to their emotions that their emotions will paralyze them. <gasps> In, in most men that I've known, of course, there are exceptions to everything, but most men, just be able to look at the situation, yeah, it's dangerous, it's a problem, it's trouble, but it's gotta be done, we're doing it. Right, Randy? You listen to your guys, right? I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna dig that up. <clears throat> they would probably say that all the time, right? On your, not anymore, they know you. We're doing it, right? But it's, it's just more, are you mad at me? No, oh, good, good. And I gotta quit. Okay, but this whole idea, um, even to the div- division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and of the intents of the heart. Okay, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. Okay, so the word of God is alive and powerful. And we're going to learn a whole lot more about that next week and how to use it as a weapon. You see, Jesus used the word of God as a weapon. When he was tempted, he wasn't quoting Shakespeare. He wasn't quoting, you know, Maimonides or some great rabbi. He was quoting God. He took the word of God. He knew how to take the word of God when the devil came to him with some very... Um, reasonable solicitations. You're the son of God. Why don't you turn the stone to bread? 40 days is a long time not to have anything to eat. Right? 40 days. We'll talk about that next week. Let's take a moment and pray. Father God, I just thank you for this family, this church family, this congregation, and for what you're building and how you're working. I thank you that hearts are opening to your, to your word more, and and it's being it's being stoked, it's being inputted. And Lord God, I thank you for the good fruit that's happening now, because that fruit will happen in marriages, that fruit will happen on the job, that fruit will happen everywhere in the neighborhood, in the family, even with the the difficult family people that will make a major difference. So we thank you for what you're doing here. Pray you continue to give us an attentive ear and a receptive heart to be able to hear what you have to say and then yield to it. For your thoughts are not my thoughts, says the Lord, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from heaven and does not return there except it waters the earth, causing it to bring forth in bud that it might give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that thing to which I have purposed, and it shall fulfill that thing to which I have sent it. Amen.